0: Welcome to Worldview, a foreign affairs podcast from the Irish Times. I'm Chris Dooley.
1: What the government cannot
0: legitimately
2: do is to resubmit to the House the same proposition or substantially the same proposition as that of last
0: week, which was rejected
2: by 149
0: votes. The Speaker of the House of Commons there, John Bercow, putting a major roadblock in the way of Theresa May's plans to have another vote on her Brexit deal with the EU ahead of a leaders' summit in Brussels this week. Citing parliamentary precedent dating back to 1604, Mr Bercow said the government could not ask the House of Commons to vote again on a deal it had already rejected, and by a wide margin, unless the deal was substantially changed. His decision has added to the uncertainty surrounding the terms and timing of the UK's departure from the EU, which is supposed to happen on Friday of next week. For more on this, I'm joined from London by our London editor, Dennis Staunton, and from Brussels by our Europe editor, Patrick Smith. Dennis, Theresa May chaired a meeting of her cabinet this morning, Tuesday. So what has the government's response been to this fairly dramatic intervention by John Barco yesterday?
2: well in public they're not really saying very much though they're, they're only uh, making very anodyne statements saying you know it uh, deserves a great deal of consideration etc but in uh, during the cabinet meeting apparently they did have a lengthy discussion of it and according to leaks that have come out of the cabinet the one thing they agreed on was that they uh, none of them liked john burke very much uh, he took them entirely by surprise uh, yesterday when he made the statement he didn't give them advance notice that he was making a statement or what he was going to say in it and uh, Uh, Your relations between the government and John Bercow have been toxic for a long time. And they don't even attempt either side to... Uh, they don't attempt to, uh, in any way, conceal their loathing and contempt for one another. But uh, so they, they discussed what they might be able to do about this in response to, uh, to what he said, because essentially his ruling was that, uh, you know, because of this precedent that you mentioned, that the government can't just keep bringing back the same proposal, proposition again and again. And uh, he said that he allowed the meaningful vote Uh, to uh, come back twice because he said that last week when it came back, you had these documents attached which were the extra clarifications agreed with the European Union in Strasbourg and their own unilateral declaration. Uh, But he was really saying that you're going to have to have something of substance that's different this time round if you want to bring it back again. So one option would be that uh, the the government could maybe uh, attach whatever deal they do with the DUP. One of the things they're talking about doing with them is putting into law a guarantee that if the backstop obliged Northern Ireland to adopt any new EU regulations, that the whole of the United Kingdom would adopt those regulations unless the Stormont institutions decided otherwise. So they, the Cabinet discussed what they might do about, uh, about John burko's uh, ruling and what their options are, and then they also discussed uh, what uh, Theresa May is going to ask for when she goes to Brussels on Thursday, and she said that she was going to ask for an extension to Article 50, and that there were two options, to go for a short extension if she had the deal passed, or to go for a long extension if she hadn't it's pretty clear she won't have passed the deal and then apparently there was a heated discussion within the cabinet with the brexiteers uh, implying that they couldn't uh, accept or couldn't remain in the cabinet if she did go for a long extension to article 50 uh, but i don't think any of them made a direct threat to resign but apparently it was quite heated so uh, so you're likely to get um Some cabinet divisions, at the very least, uh, in the wake of the summit in Brussels, if indeed she comes back, having asked for an extension of up to a year or thereabouts.
0: Are we still waiting for some clarity as to exactly what the terms might be of the request she'll make uh, to the the summit on, on Thursday?
2: Well, what she didn't, apparently, she didn't tell them even in the cabinet exactly what she's going to ask for. And so she's sending a letter to Donald Tusk either today, Tuesday, or tomorrow, Wednesday, in which she's going to set out uh, what she's looking for. And one of uh, the options uh, that's under discussion here is that she might ask for a long extension, anything up to two years, even a year or two years, but with a break clause which would say that uh, if in the meantime, she, uh, the, you know, the Parliament approves her, her deal that uh, at that stage Britain could leave earlier. And uh, there's a kind of a key deadline here which would be in the middle of April when uh, if, if Britain is to take part in European Parliament elections, it has to set the uh, legislative ball rolling on the 11th of April. So really any time up to that, Uh, there's a possibility that uh, she could, even having agreed a long extension, actually uh, do the deal, get the deal through Parliament, not have to have European elections and get out
0: uh, within a couple of months. Paddy, how do you think the leaders of the EU27 would respond to a request from Mrs May along those lines, you know, a request for a long extension, but with the option of of shortening it, should things work out for her?
1: Yeah, um, here this morning, we've been talking about uh, possibly... uh, a demand for an extension up to two years, and and that is uh, certainly going to raise eyebrows here. Uh, I spoke to uh, diplomats last night after the um, uh, Burko announcement, and there there was a, a general consensus that she would come here with a with a, a demand for for an extension. But there were different views about how it would be received. One senior diplomat telling me. Um, under no circumstances will we give her a long extension. That, that woman, we don't trust her anymore, uh, that she can't guarantee anything. And the critical thing here is that the EU has been insisting that the British government provides a, an explanation of what it intends to do with the extra time. If she hasn't actually passed the uh, withdrawal agreement before this weekend, which is it now appears increasingly unlikely she, unlikely, she would find it very difficult to provide... That that explanation beyond saying she's trying to get her withdrawal agreement passed, uh, they will want to know much more about a possible change of tack, uh, a possible uh, election, a possible second vote if they're going to give her a long extension. And I I think that that's extremely difficult for her to 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 give them because it would undermine her position on on the the vote next week.
0: Actually, in support of that, Paddy, I saw a comment from Francis uh, Europe Minister today. Nathalie Loiseau, to the effect that an extension to to Article 50, that just extends or just prolongs the exi- existing deadlock, would be unacceptable. That it must have a, a specific purpose. Is that indicative of the kind of maybe lack of patience among some EU leaders at the I, EU I think, UK position?
1: I think that's very much so, and I, I think uh, uh, most of them are are being are holding their fire and not actually saying this publicly, but privately they are they are much less. Uh, uh, enthusiastic about a, a, a long-term uh, extension. Uh, although some people, the, the Germans and I think the Dutch, are, are have have talked about a, long, a longer uh, extension. But it, it, it really comes back to this issue of, of what for. They keep saying she must explain what for. And that's not simply saying, well, we're going to continue negotiations. That is about indicating a change of, of strategic
0: approach. Is it possible then that some EU leaders might resist the idea of any kind of extension and, and come to the conclusion that a no-deal Brexit as damaging as it would be, would be better than more and more more months of uncertainty?
1: I think it's very unlikely that they would reject any extension there's there's legislative problems with with a no-deal situation just as there are with with, uh, a a departure on the withdrawal agreement. So I think it is almost certain that they will give her an extension until uh, the end of June but they won't. I'm not convinced that they will do it for for the longer time.
0: Um, a question I'd like to put to both of you. Maybe I'll come to you first, Anna Dennis, because it's something you addressed in an analysis piece today, and that's the question of the conditions that the EU might seek to impose on the UK in return for granting Britain a delay in its departure date. Is that something we could expect?
2: I think apart from the uh, concerns that Paddy was mentioning there, that the Europeans will want to have certain guarantees from uh, Theresa May that if Britain gets a longer extension, that it's not going to obstruct EU business as part of uh, its negotiations to try, you know, in terms of getting out and the deal it's going to get on the way out. And so uh, I think that uh, they will want Theresa May to uh, give certain undertakings, that Britain will not take part in certain uh, discussions within the European Union on things like the future of Europe, on the uh, multi-annual financial framework, the budget, and also certain undertakings with regard to uh, EU trade negotiations with third countries. There's been some concern within the EU about how uh, that that Britain was in some way queering the pitch in some recent negotiations between the EU and third countries on trade. And so I think there may be certain undertakings that they will want Want, um, Britain to uh, to make uh, before they want to, before they agree to uh, to one of these extensions because uh, you know there is this concern that particularly if say Theresa May much as they may uh, have despaired about Theresa May there could be worse on the way if Boris Johnson for example were to take over so I think that they would want to have some kind of fairly firm uh, guarantees from Britain that uh, they're not going to start messing around with European business if they hang around a bit longer.
0: Uh, Paddy, do you think with those kind of undertakings that Dennis just outlined there, would they be sufficient to provide sufficient comfort for EU leaders or do you think they'd want something more?
1: I I don't think that they can get a legal uh, obligation on the British. Uh, As full members, the British would be entitled to take part in all those discussions. I should mention another discussion which is uh, on the minds of of people here is the appointment of the next uh, uh, commission and the next commission president. And and they really don't want uh, Britain involved in in that discussion if it's not going to be part of of the European Union. But I think it will have to be by in the form of of a, a, an undertaking by the British voluntarily given and and adhered to, and and one could expect a successor of Mrs May to to honour such an undertaking.
0: OK, and Dennis, just to come back to John Berko's, um intervention yesterday, which it was widely seen as having derailed her plans to bring forward a, a, another meaningful vote ahead of the summit. But it was far from clear, wasn't it, that she was getting enough support anyway to be able to put a vote to the Commons in time for Thursday?
2: Yes, even before uh, he made this statement, uh, it was, uh, you know, things appear to be slipping away from her a bit there. There have been some momentum over the weekend where various former uh, hardliners like Esther McVeigh, a minister who resigned over uh, Brexit, she and a few others were saying that they were now ready to support the prime minister's deal. And talks with the DUP appeared to be going pretty well. And so there's, there seemed to be a sense that uh, things were going her way. And then on Sunday night, Boris Johnson wrote a piece in the uh, Daily Telegraph where he said that, uh, you know, she really ought to go for one last push, go to Brussels, try to get another compromise on the backstop. And he wasn't ready to support the deal. And then various others, uh, Brexiteers, uh, made clear that they weren't ready to move either. So so it wasn't clear that she had the numbers this week in any case. And so, uh, it, you know, and, and, and so the idea of putting the thing to a vote this week was in doubt. Uh, it's now much more unlikely, obviously, because if John Bercow is uncertain about approving a third uh, meaningful vote, he certainly would be unlikely to approve a fourth one. And so uh, so it now looks as if she will bring the thing back, if she can, next week, and uh, and try to persuade John Bercow that uh, in some way the proposition is not substantially the same as the one that, uh, that was presented last week.
0: And given the way he took them back, by- surprise yesterday, can we assume there is no back channel there between the government and John berko whereby they might be able to establish in advance what he what he might require in order to to make a, a to allow another meaningful vote? What what he means when he says substantial changes?
2: Yeah, there appears not to be, which is extraordinary given that he is a former Conservative MP and uh, he's been a Conservative all his adult life from his student days when he was a very, very right-wing Conservative, a member of the Monday Club, a supporter of Enoch Powell, but he went on what they call a journey uh, towards becoming uh, what he is now, which is uh, somebody who uh, who acknowledged publicly that he voted against leaving the European Union, and he's perceived by the Conservative government Government as being irredeemably hostile towards the government and unfair, and also hostile towards Brexit. Although, having said that, many of the Brexiteers, the hardline Brexiteers, were delighted with what he did yesterday because they thought that that might bring them a step closer to a no deal Brexit. So they think it brings them a step closer to a no-deal Brexit. The Remainers think it brings them a step closer to uh, no Brexit at all with the second referendum. So at least one of these parties must be wrong. And we it remains to be seen what it will amount to. So, But in answer to your question, yeah, there, is, there appears not to be any back channel. And it's entirely up to him to make up his mind as to what his ruling is. The only way they could over- overturn it is if there was a majority uh, in the House of Commons which said they wanted to suspend the standing order that he was referring to which they can do any time but the trouble is that her majority any majority she gets for this deal is likely to be so unpredictable and unstable that you wouldn't really want to bank on her being able to get a majority to vote in that procedural vote.
0: And just finally umberto uh, Dennis has any kind of consensus emerged today among if you like neutral you know, observers as to whether what he did yesterday was acting just entirely within the parameters of his job just pr- protecting parliamentary your protocols and so on or was this evidence that he really has it in for this government?
2: I think on the precedent itself, there's no question but that it's there. It was used a number of times uh, up until 1920, and it's, it appears in Erskine May, which is the kind of the Bible of uh, Commons procedure. And the point of, the, of not allowing the government to bring something twice is, first of all, that uh, they shouldn't be able to waste Parliament's time, but also just that a decision the Parliament makes ought to be respected. You ask the question, and They give you the answer, and then you don't ask it until the next session of Parliament again. And uh, and he said that the reason that it hadn't been invoked since 1920 is because everybody respects it. And it is true that often uh, you know governments, fairly recent governments, have, if they wanted to bring the same proposition a second time, they've made some, at least some cosmetic change to try to get around this. But uh, you know, but there's also something, uh, you know, there's something in the argument that he's a bit capricious in terms of the way he. Uh, he deals with precedent because uh, a few weeks ago he allowed an amendment which uh, went against all precedents. And this was an amendment from Dominic Grieve, which was uh, which was inconvenient for the government. And at that stage, John Berker said, well, if I just follow precedent all the time, nothing in this place would ever change. So uh, he's taking it upon himself, and it is indeed his, his right as speaker, to decide when to invoke precedent and when to
0: ignore it and um, Paddy I'll come back to you in just a moment um, I haven't forgotten you I wanted to ask Dennis just one more question on the domestic politics side of this um, given that some kind of extension now looks inevitable that there will be a delay anyway in Britain's departure um, what kind of impact do you think that will have when the reality of this dawns on the British electorate that they have been unable to leave on the date the they themselves nominated um, for their de- departure what kind of impact will that have on the electorate and on leave voters in particular?
2: I think it's hard to say because uh, if you ask people in opinion polls, leave voters, remain, uh, you know many of them, uh, you know determined that they ought to leave on March the 29th, and among leave voters, the most popular option uh, is to leave without a deal because most leave voters don't particularly like Theresa May's deal. Having said that, you wonder just how passionate they are. Uh, Nigel Farage uh, at the weekend uh, started, uh, he led this march from Sunderland, a two-week march uh, from Sunderland down to London. And on the first day, there were just over 100 people on it. And on the second day, there were 77, including photographers. And on the third day, there may have been 60. And uh, it was, uh, you know... He didn't even complete
0: the march. He didn't even complete the march himself. And (laughs) he didn't complete the march himself,
2: exactly. So you just wonder if actually this... you know, Because there's quite a lot of talk about how uh, people will take to the barricades if uh, if Brexit appears to be snatched away from them. But I do think that, um, you know, if... Uh, You know, if Brexit isn't cancelled altogether, so in other words, if it appears that... um it's going to happen, and it's going to happen quite soon. I think that uh, that the, you know, you're not going to get all that much public disquiet. I think what Theresa May is banking on is that the Brexiteers themselves will see over the next few days that her that backing her deal is the only way that they can be sure that Brexit is going to happen, and that if there is a long extension, that that allows for room for all kinds of things, including a much softer Brexit, but also including a second referendum and possibly reversing it.
0: Okay, well, maybe just, just I get a uh, view from both of you as to where you think the story is headed next, what the potential scenarios are. Um, Paddy, you first. I mean, what do you think will happen on Thursday and, and beyond?
1: I think on Thursday, we will see a request go in from the British for an extension, that uh, the leaders will grant a short extension uh, to the end of June. and And then... Uh, I'm not sure what will happen. I, I'm, I, as I said earlier, I'm not convinced that they would be that they're minded to give her a long extension or a theoretical uh, possibility of a, of a long extension. Um, I think that the, the, um, the member states are seriously browned off with uh, the shenanigans in London and uh, they are really not they're not feeling that kindly towards either the British or Mrs. May in particular.
0: Isn't the problem, though, Paddy, that for the EU leaders that you might say that they're not minded to grant a longer extension, but unless she's in a position to deliver a shorter one, which means delivering her deal, they don't really have much choice, do they?
1: Uh, I think they do. I think they can say, look, this is what you signed up to, and uh, uh, we we are not satisfied that you will, that the situation will change if we give you the long extension. Uh, if if it's simply more of the same, why why should we? And Our businesses, uh, our people require a degree of certainty, which you're not you're not allowing us.
0: But but, yes, indeed. But when I say they've no choice, I mean, the choice might be between a no deal and a longer extension. Does does there come a point where the EU thinks a no deal is actually the best outcome for all because it brings certainty? It's not a good outcome, but it, it does provide certainty, yes. And, uh, Dennis, I know you've already outlined some of the potential scenarios, but in summary, what do you think is most likely over the next week or two? How do you see this unfolding?
2: I think that uh, the summit will go, uh, as Paddy described, I'm not quite sure that... uh uh, exactly. Uh, Paddy is closer to it, and so he has a better idea. But I'm not quite sure that the resistance to a longer extension will, in the end, be quite as uh, uh, be quite as solid as uh, as it sounds like today. Because I do think that uh, for the European Union, uh, the danger of, uh, of limiting it to a one-off short extension is that you are simply moving the cliff edge. And the fact is that a no-deal Brexit is very bad for Europe, as well as being much worse for Britain. Uh, but I do think that for what will happen, regardless of what extension happens, is that next week that the uh, the deal will come back to Parliament uh, and that depending really on so many uh, moving parts, including what um, the attitude of the DUP is and how many Brexiteers change their minds, then uh, we could have uh, the deal finally going through a few days before Brexit is due to happen, uh, followed by a kind of a last-minute extension just to to allow uh, the legislation to go through. Alternatively, this uh, story could, as it has before, run and run and run in the most unpredictable fashion.
0: I think that's probably the only thing we can be sure of. (laughs) Dennis in London, uh, Paddy in Brussels, thank you. That's all for this week. For more on these and other stories, go to irishtimes.com. Thanks for listening. Goodbye for now.